Welcome to the Raleigh Bitcoin Podcast. Um, if you live in Raleigh, come out to our meetup Tuesday night, 6.30 at Raleigh Point on Harrison Avenue. We've had a couple of uh, new guys at the meetup lately, which is always a good sign. Sometimes that's an indicator of a bull market coming up. Um, reminder, if you come to our meetup to be as toxic as possible, uh, especially to the other new guys, uh, maybe you can like pretend like you're not a new guy and accuse other people of being I'm new not guys. a new guy anymore. It's kind of nice. <laughs> not anymore, yeah. It's well, good. Uh, yeah, there are a few guys that are newer than me, are, which um, feels kind of cool. Y- y- you said something about, well, are there like uh, cycles in the meetup culture? Like, I would where, love like, to hear about meetup cycles. Like, you know how there's like, like people... Th- Bitcoin cycles, like the having comes, and the next thing is this oh, thing. Yeah. Are there are there like cycles yeah. within Meetup where you start seeing the mm-hmm. new people come? And- mm-hmm. Certain personalities come up at certain times in the cycles. You know, the- even when I was coming in the early stages, like I could feel that oh yeah, it's still kind of a bullish market, and they were highly skeptical. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I didn't mention NFTs or anything, so eventually I was able to kind of <clears throat> whittle my way in to the core yeah i imagine there's some people that when it goes up they're just like super excited and they're like is this really happening and then they come and then when the price goes down there's probably people that are like oh my god is there something i don't know i gotta go to that meetup and find out there's something i don't know well there's no better place to go if other than the meetup to ask if there's something that you don't know yeah i really like that actually you know it's like the the local pub it's just like in the olden days, trying to figure out what's going on in your city, you had to go to the pub. Yeah, get the get the scuttlebutt. <laughs> scuttlebutt. Uh, yeah. Um, no, that was kind of a joke when I was like, you know, no mercy on the, on the new guys. Um, I think it might come from I get annoyed at groups that are overly welcoming to new people. You like they're trying I mean? to recruit more than educate. I don't know how to describe it, but right. they just want to make sure it's like having a good time good vibes where it's like rather than honest conversation they're trying to yeah. grow membership trying to, exactly trying to monetize membership <laughs> somebody do we know any other meetups that monetize mem- <laughs> no i don't know um, <laughs> hopefully this wasn't you guys but you know, somebody suggested doing like punch cards for meetup attendance <laughs> i was about to say you that got a clipboard don't you oh yeah except for freaking broke the clipboard in half mm. last night when i'm absent i definitely send you a message about why i'm absent <laughs> doctor's notes are preferable um <laughs> i think Bo could probably get a doctor's note i got a doctor's note yeah sure. yeah yeah i apologize for my lack of attendance recently um we all have a couple of clips lined up today um and also i kind of wanted to talk about uh article that i have being published or me and daniel let's start um, with that you want to start with that? Let's start with the article because I, mean, okay. I haven't read it yet. I'm very interested about it. Uh, yeah, so you guys know about my heat maps. The website is utxo.live. I've been rendering um, the world's best visual illustrations of the blockchain. No big deal for like 10 years now. They are um, very aesthetically pleasing. Like the color scheme was very well chosen. Yeah, beauty is important. I spent so long like playing with colors well and one of the things that pops out on these heat maps the way that i do it is the usd price because uh, most people send around amounts of us dollars and the effect of that means that um 
there's this just giant fingerprint of the $100 line in outputs. Um, the most common Bitcoin transaction is 0.01. But after that, the most common transaction is whatever $100 is. Hmm. And this has been the case for the past five years, and it's getting stronger and stronger. Wow. Um, so, and then if I just remove all of the round amounts of Bitcoin out of the uh, UTXO set, the only thing you see, I mean, you just see a bunch of randomness, which just turns into a normal distribution. So it just likes, looks like the same color. And the other thing other than that are like just really strong $100, $50, It's got to just be like the DCA army. Right. Yeah, it's the DCA army. Um, it's people just happen, you know, if you're going to send money to an exchange, you're probably going to send a round amount of US dollars. If you're going to withdraw, yeah. probably going to be a round amount. Buying gift cards, whatever it may G- be. Gift cards, ATM transactions. You know, hmm. majority of these, these transactions are just round amounts of USD. And so that just, it's it's so obvious and it's so strong that I was like, I can write an algorithm that just tells you what the USD price is based on on-chain transactions. So, and then the more I think about this, the more it's occurred to me that um, this might be uh, more of a real spot price in a sense, because if you buy Bitcoin on Coinbase, it's going to be four days before you can even allowed to withdraw it let alone when you actually do withdraw it. And to be honest, I think four days is generous, isn't it? Isn't it typically so. around 30? Because of the if you pay through a debit, then they have to verify that the transaction is legit, and then, then they can dispense yeah. the funds to you. But that's usually, I think, uh, how that why that works. Right. And if you think about the you know actual definition of spot price, it means instant right. um, exchange of, of both Bitcoin and USD. So... You know, we have futures options to talk about the case where you get the Bitcoin 30 days later. That's not spot price. Uh, spot price is actual exchange. So, you know, I'm just like, I think that, you know, even though my algorithm, it requires a little bit of averaging, um, it can't be really done over one block. It requires, um, you know, a day's worth of data and to kind of look at the how the emergent trends pop out but they pop out so strong with a day's average that they're right on the money and i was and and i was thinking like this is this is actually swapping back and forth right like this is a more real definition of spot than an exchange price so that's why jared last night was like oh it's true spot and you know you should go after the uh exchanges and like make fun of them for not revealing spot price (laughs) Yeah. No, I think there's some value to be added there because even yeah. most of the Bitcoin only exchanges, there's a pretty decent spread there. And I get that that's how they monetize their service to some extent. But if, yeah. you, if you had a place to go where you could see this is the actual spot price, mm-hmm. I bet it actually a lot of people would be pissed. Right. And it's on chain. So um, I haven't open sourced my algorithm yet, but it's not a very sophisticated algorithm. But everybody who runs a node, could theoretically run this algorithm themselves and just come up with the exact same spot price without trusting anybody. Hmm. They're just Interesting. pulling their own data. So that's another sense in which this is a more real um, agreed upon spot price. I mean, there are, there's some drawbacks to it. Like I said, um, you, it depends on people acting that way, right? It depends on people actually 
getting these $100 transactions and people continuing to do that. Um, but so one case came up when I was comparing my algorithm to, you know, let's say Coinbase's daily prices, you know, and I've, I've done like five years now and it's like spot on, but there's sometimes when it's not, there's a little bit of difference. And Daniel looked into this and he was like, well, you know, the algorithm was off for a couple of days. It just kind of got stuck at this one price and didn't go up and down and Coinbase's price went up or down. Uh, and it, it looks like there weren't many on-chain transactions that day at spot price. Because if you think about maybe the, um, the wizards, the, um, inscriptions or something like that, let's say a whole, a bunch of blocks are filled up with just non USD related, uh, transactions. And it was like, uh, it looks like the algorithm's wrong. And it's like, okay, but if, if there were no exchanges for USD on chain, was there a spot price that day? I mean, like if, mm. if there was no settled transactions for USD one day, then there's kind of not a spot price that day. So, I mean, that's, a, that's interesting. I mean, not like, not like it went to zero or anything. It just, uh, it just got stuck at what it was the day before, which I think is kind of the right thing. Uh, so it, it brings up, you know, if I'm trying to compare this, you know, what's right, what's truth, what's, what do you compare it to? So, um, is that what your article's about? Well, you know, Daniel wouldn't let me write it as philosophically as I wanted to write it. He was more like potential use cases for this, for like settling DLC contracts and, and stuff like that, which is, you know, it's good to have somebody not like me actually looking for use cases. Uh, it is good not getting Steve's unfiltered thoughts. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and uh, if anybody out there, you know, thinks they know how to use this tool in a cool way, other than the obvious one to settle contracts, then uh, let me know. Let us know. Come to the meetup. And talk about it after four Guinnesses. That's the best time to talk about it. Four okay. really is kind of the magic number, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's, that's when, I feel that's like when the, the waitress has that just lined up for Steve. <laughs> like it's like a pre-built. That's his weekly DCA. Four Guinnesses at the meetup. Yeah, I think it's totally worth it. Uh, just the the money I pay to them, you know. It's an investment in our future. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. So that article should be coming out on. I think it's uh, it's got a cool name, UTX Oracle. Mm, okay. So I look for our article, UTX Oracle, on cool. Bitcoin Magazine. I'll get paid five sats to read it. Yeah, when's it dropping? Uh, I don't know. Mm. We'll be on lookout. Either. We'll be on lookout. Yeah. Yeah, it's not not a huge deal. Uh, yeah, so you want to talk more about that, or you want to play one of these clips? So I have a clip from what Bitcoin did, and I think Bo has a clip from Safedine, which I only listened to the first 15 seconds of, so I'm interested in listening to the whole thing. We can run that one. I, I okay. sent it long enough ago that I'd, I, I, I got an idea what, what it it's about. <laughs> I got an idea what it's about. All right, you want to set it up, or you want me to play it? You can play it. All right, so this is Safening talking about Bitcoin adoption is not optional. It's not optional. I mean, you will either move there or you will watch your wealth lose its value as the people who put their money there appreciate. You know, I mean, just think about it. You know, if you have a million dollars 
and you put them in a currency that's constantly depreciating, where somebody has $10,000 and puts them in a currency that's co constantly appreciating, it's only a matter of time until they overtake you. And you know, people are not stupid. They will realize this and they will want to move forward. So the, when, I talk, when, when I talk about Bitcoin adoption, people think of it as being like, say, um, Apple iPhone adoption. You know, it's very nice and very cute and then people will buy it. But I think that's not the model for Bitcoin. Bitcoin is more like gunpowder adoption. You know, I love that. If you think about it, w did the French army have a choice whether they should adopt gunpowder or not? You know, did they decide, no, you know what, we like to keep it real with sticks and stones and swords and, uh, and we're not going to use gunpowder. If, you know, any army that decided to do this, it didn't matter because then another army with gunpowder would come and take over France. So eventually everywhere in the world ended up with gunpowder, either because people adopted it or because it was used against them. And I think Bitcoin is like that. Bitcoin is like financial gunpowder. It's the safest way of sending money halfway around the world, the most secure way, and it's the hardest money that we've ever invented. So it's not something that is, you know, whether we should or want to, or whether people, you know, we, we try to win people over. And this, you know, this is why my book is not marketing for Bitcoin, because I don't think marketing for Bitcoin matters. At the end of the day, this is economic reality. The harder money will, min, will win, you know. Gold beats silver, and I discuss this in my book, not because, um, you know, there was better marketing for gold or there was better propaganda for gold. It beats silver because of economic reality. Gold grew at a much slower rate than silver. The value of silver declined. And I think this is, this is really the, the, the case with, uh, with, with Bitcoin, I think, in the long run. So what I love about this clip is that we were talking about game theory and kind of ripping on it a little bit last week, but this is an example of where I think game theory holds true, is that to, to a very large degree, it's going to become financially disadvantageous to fight Bitcoin because it is the harder money and the analogy of gunpowder and using gunpowder in warfare is one that I have used a few times recently, and people seem to take to that and understand that. Like you have this new technology that is going to allow you to fulfill X purpose that he mentions about sending money around the world and whatnot, that it's just simply better. It's faster. It's instant settlement or near instant, 10 minutes, whatever it may be. Um, and that if you don't get on this train, then you're going to eventually be annihilated by the better technology. So powerful. I love, uh, yeah, Safedine doesn't go halfway. He goes full, he goes, you know, you have no choice. You got to accept it. Right. And I mean, I think to a large degree, that's going to end up being more and more true. Like, I think, particularly now under the pretense of the BlackRock ETF, all these other financial institutions getting in with their ETF, I think the very common fear is that oh, will they not create their own fork? And I think it's a valid concern. I, I understand the talking points there. I don't think in the long run it's going to be financially advantageous for those institutions to do such. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about uh, BlackRock, a institution that has $12.6 trillion of assets under management, to give you some context of how large that is, that is two years worth of tax receipts for the U.S. government. 
So for them to put their reputation, a significant amount of their capital at stake, just to undermine this asset, I don't see a long-term financial gain for them to try and play games like that. I think they're still just very much stuck in fiat land. They're just trying to give their customers access to something that is being highly demanded. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they are necessarily thinking along these adversarial lines that Bitcoiners thankfully do think. I'm not saying it hasn't come across Larry Fink's mind of if we had to hard for it, this, what would we do? I'm sure somebody has advised them as to what that might look like. I just don't think that I, 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 I don't I don't see it happening for them, because I think by the time it reaches a point where that kind of thought would occur to them, the ship has firmly set sail. I think you can make the argument that the ship has set sail already. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that I put a whole lot of worry towards just because I don't think it's going to end up being a beneficial financial move for them. Yeah. I think savings <clears throat> the way savings talks about money and the hardness of money and a little bit of a warlike um sentiment is the better approach than Lowry. It, it just it's um it's more crisp, I think. It's more clear about how one country sort of wipes out another country. Um, with gunpowder or with hard money, they're they're not similar physically, but they're similar in effect. Where it's it's very easy to destroy the economy of another country that uses weak money. Um, well, the example that he uses is pretty spot on mm-hmm. of gold versus silver. Yeah, like gold didn't win because like he says, better better marketing, which is definitely like an underhanded slight towards Ethereum and a lot of these other chains that do ha- literally have marketing departments. That wasn't why gold won. Gold ran silver out because it was scarcer, and I don't have any reason to believe that Bitcoin won't win out against a completely non-scarce asset in fiat. Yeah, I mean, if we're comparing money to money... One is objectively better if you're looking at the properties that we value as money. I thought gold won because it had more incentives for um, new people to attend meetups. Like they, I think <laughs> gold had punch cards for their meetups and silver. They definitely didn't. had a guy and, with a clipboard. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Were they toxic to the silver fans? <clears throat> yeah, that's why they won. Yeah, the silver fans weren't toxic enough. Well, I mean, gold, I mean, thinking about silver, like, when we still kind of had a bimetallic money system, China made the decision to kind of double down on silver, and it put their economy back. It, I mean, it didn't send it back to the Stone Age, per se, but it, it, it put them in a significant hole. <clears throat> like, that's why they fell behind in the uh, 19th century was because they put a lot of their eggs in the silver basket. Do you know why they did that? Probably because they had more. I, I, no. Do I know the specifics of it? No. If, if I had to guess, I would guess that, A, they had more silver 
already. B, they had more access to silver, and they probably thought that they could drive demand for silver from a centralized standpoint, but they didn't look at it from a global standpoint where everybody else is trading with instruments denominated in gold. And if ours is denominated in silver, then it's going to become less desirable because who would want to redeem a paper note that's going to give you silver if you have other paper notes that you can redeem for gold? I think it's really cool how <clears throat> humanity got around the physical divisibility issue of gold by this multi-metallic system. Uh, like some of us, you know, it's, it's sort of, we kind of think of pennies as copper and nickel as nickel and silver and <clears throat> maybe dimes and nickel as silver and the dollar is gold or something. And it's because you can't divide up well, not the dollar, but imagine you had like a dollar coin or something like the British pound, I think was actual gold or was that silver anyway, but just, you know, before things are digital <clears throat> and you have to physically give somebody something, you can't give somebody a, a microscopic speck of gold. So, right. they, so they got around that, <clears throat> sorry, they got around that divisibility issue by making the um, the physical token that you hand somebody made out of a less valuable metal. And uh, it's kind of genius in a way. It's just kind of, I mean, we don't need well, that. Centralize gold. I mean, like, it's it's almost like the Cantillionaire effect before that was actually like yeah. a big thing was that you had the, the scarcer asset gold mm -hmm. being more and more centralized in the hands of a few, yeah. whereas the more circular... Uh, currency was silver based like if you were just like a serf or a tradesman you likely didn't have a ton of gold you likely did uh, commerce in silver because that was the more liquid asset um, super interesting it definitely is I mean it's needlessly complicated now uh, certainly now the I mean, but, I mean, in, like, the Renaissance and whatnot, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think a bimetallic system made a decent amount of sense. Yeah. But in a modern context, it just doesn't when everything's just numbers in a computer. Yeah. There's still a lot of leftover of that kind of thinking um, in today's economy when you, you know, people talk about, oh, Bitcoin's too expensive. <clears throat> you know, you can't divide it up enough and stuff like that. Well, there's still plenty of people that think that like silver will monetize in a serious way again. Um, but I mean, by the same token that I don't have a significant holding in gold because I'd rather mm -hmm. have the orange coin. If gold is available to me, why, like, why would I have silver now? I mean, I guess silver has more industrial yeah. properties than it possibly did back then. So there are more use cases for it outside of money. Yeah. Whereas gold is just ornamental and money, I guess. It's, um, I guess I can just go to x.com now. I just realized I was typing in twitter.com. Yeah, so, uh, RIP. RIP. Um, a lot of people knew this before Bitcoin. Like, if you look at the old Austrian economics clips, uh, but they didn't have an answer, they didn't have an alternative. Right. They didn't have, I mean, they could say like invest in gold, but they knew that gold was centralized and 
that wasn't really alter- an alternative. And we're just, uh, we're so fortunate that we now have an answer. We have a practical solution to go forward with all this theory that all these people knew before. They just couldn't convince anybody. Yeah. And now Bitcoin has just like allowed the Austrian view of money to just explode. I mean, the lack of transportability of gold is never not going to be a problem. I mean, we've talked on this podcast about what if certain currencies decide to be backed by gold. It's still going to be hyper-centralized because you can't keep significant amounts of gold in your house. Like, Mm -hmm. you can keep, like, a few bricks buried somewhere, I guess, but you're never going to be able to store the entirety of your wealth there. I mean, and the Austrians... A lot of Austrians missed Bitcoin because they were so hung up on the idea that the money they were looking for had to be a commodity first, whereas Bitcoin, to a very large degree, skipped Uh, that step. So you had a bunch of Austrians that were very, uh, not just skeptical, but derisive of Bitcoin because they're like, oh, it's digital, therefore it can't be commoditized first. Yeah. And it's like, okay, if like I, I get the point that they were trying to make, but if you're looking for what could possibly replace gold, it, I mean, what 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 element on that table of elements is going to fulfill that? I, like, I, I just I I don't understand that critique of Bitcoin very much. I think it lacks a lot of context of the modern world the emphasis on cyberspace that we have now so i mean there there are a lot of austrians that just totally screwed the pooch on bitcoin yeah there's this is like a um there's an overlap between that regression theory that's what you're talking about that um money has to come from something that's first used for a practical purpose in order for it then to be used money. That's what they call the regression theory. It has to exactly. regress to practical use. Um, so there's that. But on top of that, there's the um, technophobia. A lot of the Austrians are older guys. and Definitely. They, Gold bugs. And even though they hear that Bitcoin solved the copy-paste problem, like they don't believe it. Well, it's because it's yeah. something that they can't hold in their hand. Yeah, like, but, but it's also, I mean, literally every single thing on a computer can be copy-pasted. It is, yeah. it is astonishing to try to believe that there's a digital thing that can't be copy-pasted. Particularly if you're of that age. I mean, like, right. I've tried to pitch Goldbug to, like, my grandfather or something, like a couple of my great-uncles, and they get hung up on the, you can't hold it. Because, I mean, I talk about it being a bare asset. And they just don't they, they don't understand the secured by cryptography piece mm-hmm. that it's like held not physically but it is still a bare asset mm-hmm. in that only I have control over it like it's it's the it's no different whatsoever from a practical standpoint of me having that gold bar in my hand when it's in cold storage yeah, but yet you always ha- you also have to understand the node aspect so it, it's not just the um see i don't even try to talk about right nodes. But, you know the even if you have the cryptography piece uh it's like oh okay you have this secret little you know key you have this little 
USB secret signing device or whatever, they might be able to comprehend that. Particularly if you like analogize it to a check. Right. But then they're like, okay, but the database, you know, like the, it's equally important that the database in which, you know, has the ledger of what Bitcoin is owned by what address that that is distributed amongst multiple people and yeah, that you and that you both have that database on your laptop right in your office that is what just it's astonishing to believe like i there it's like i literally have the full ledger of every bitcoin in the world in my office at my, in my possession and there's nobody who's has like some master database that's more important than mine um that's just freaking mind-blowing i think that's that's the hard part. That, that's harder, I think, than the cryptography part. That is a good... I mean, I, maybe I'll try and use that, that not only can I validate it myself, but there are every single other person that is running the software validates the exact same thing. Yeah. And if nobody is in, uh, in alignment with that, then they're out of sync with the chain. Yeah. And they're, I mean, therefore they're running something that's not Bitcoin at that point. Yeah. Maybe that's a good way to explain is that like, sure, you can copy paste all you want, but, uh, everyone's going to see that you copy pasted. Right. And what is Bitcoin is this massive agreement amongst all these nodes that no one has copy pasted. But yeah. That's a really good point. I'll, I'll try yeah. that. So I'm going to, so this, for the first time I'm like pulling up a quote in the middle of an episode, um, so this is about this is from Hayek talking about from a long time ago when was this 1984 uh how he could see so clearly but he just a sly roundabout way have Mm -hmm. you heard this before all right so let's go ahead and play this see the great trouble is the money wasn't allowed to develop further after two or three hundred years of coins all governments put their hands and stopped any further developments. You are not allowed to experiment on it. Money hasn't been improved. Money have be, has rather become worse in the course of time. Government said it must not develop any further. And what we have had since in development were matters of government inventions, mostly wrong, mostly abuses of money. And I have come to the position of asking has monetary policy ever done any good? I don't think it has. I think it has done only harm. And that's why I am now pleading for what I've called denationalization of money. I don't believe that we should ever have good money again before we take the thing out of the hands of government. We can't take them violently out of the hands of the government, all we can do is, by some sly around the way, <laughs> introduce something they can't stop. I mean, he's literally describing Bitcoin. Sly roundabout way. He had no idea how it could happen. He, he like, went through all these ideas about how money could be introduced, and he just could not figure it out. And then it just When happened. was that quote again? 80? Ni- I, think, um, I think it was 1984. Awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, in 1984. 84. I mean, just like kick ass, dude. I mean, just... Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I try to get these hats that have these subtle quotes on them. I was thinking about getting a hat that just said, sly roundabout way. I was just thinking because it's 84, so that's 71 is when we go off the gold standard. It's 13 years that he's been living in the 
the new mm-hmm. the new society, and I wonder what effects he was witnessing to make him. Oh, he saw it, dude. This is fucking Hayek you're talking about. He saw everything. Hayek, I think, is the most intelligent of the Austrian economists. So, were Austrian economists prior to seventy one saying that this would happen, and the Keynesians yeah. just won out, or is, well, so, yeah, because I mean, absolutely. like you had currency, like currency debasement is a tale as old as time. I mean, that that happened in Rome. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just the application of the debasement, and it happens in every single empire. Mm-hmm. It happened with the Dutch guilder. Mm-hmm. It happened with the British pound. Like, it's the, the, it's not the marks, new. To, the German marks, right? It, it, exa- well, I mean, that's that's a hyperinflationary case. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's like, the worst example of a debasement of the currency. So, like, they were able to see the writing of the wall on our situation as the world power. You know, it, it's not new. Like, it, we're repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's one of the main benefits of Bitcoin is that Whoever, if it's us or whoever, you know, rises up to replace us in whatever length of time, they won't have that ability. They're going to have a firm yardstick, a firm measurement of what is money, and you're not going to be able to mess with it. So, I mean, that's solving a pretty significant problem of how money has worked historically. Yeah, they all... I mean, so Mises was writing in, I think, the early 1900s. Carl Menger was like the late 1800s. So this thought about how money needs to be sound in order for the economy to function, in order for prices to actually refer to supply and demand, it all depends on the soundness of the money. Um, That's been around for 100 years. Uh, But I I do like Hayek better than um, the other ones because he's... He's a little, <clears throat> I would say, lib- more liberal in the old sense of um, emergent complexity and just how society is so freaking complicated. Like, the economy is so freaking complicated. You, our best hope is to have a money to tell us what's going on in the right. world. It's the only price signal. It's the only carrier of true information. Like, yeah, homeowners associations don't know the best way to allocate capital. Hope. So, this notion that a state hmm. could even do it, much less an entire nation of, what what's America, 600 million people some odd? Mm-hmm. I mean, how on earth are 12 dudes supposed to figure out what is the best way to price money? It, I mean, it, yeah. like it, it, when you really, like, strip it bare and get down to what exactly the federal reserve is meant to do it, it's it's an it's an insane notion but with the <clears throat> with the homeowners guys um you know if you know what the usd value of home prices has changed in your neighborhood then you're the smartest person on earth and you should have you know the social status of the community is as being the most brilliant person and you should dress appropriately uh, wear the robes. Yeah, you should wear really nice clothes because talking about home prices is how you establish your dominance in a community. Exactly. I, I hate homeowners associations. <laughs> They're like few like normalized institutions that I hate more than the homeowners association. I absolutely despise it. You've got some Karen sitting in, you know, her 
plush living room with portraits and shit trying to tell me how I need to have my lawn. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's bullshit to me. I can't stand it. I remember when I bought my first house and I saw that sign go up for the homeowners meeting and I was like so proud. It's like I'm going to be a responsible <laughs> American attend this meeting. And they looked at me like I was an idiot. They're like, why are you here? <laughs> Those meetings are such a shit storm. Um, God, I despise them. I've never been to one. So don't. I mean, like, <laughs> you, you want to find a way to ruin your day? Like, go to a homeowners association meeting. I'll say something good about uh, private local management of real estate. Uh, I don't. I don't see an alternative. So, as much as I rail against you know homeowners associations and people flipping out about all these stupid things about their house, uh, it's better than the government doing it. Um, so, if you want to dictate what kind of trees should be uh, grown in your neighborhood. Uh, yeah, it's super annoying to have Karen there at the homeowners meeting talking about her knowledge of um, biology and which trees go bre- grow best here. Um, <clears throat> but it's a lot. But maybe someone has to do it, you know. Maybe someone does have to decide what kind of plants should grow in this neighborhood. And it can't be the government. And if it's not going to turn into a jungle then maybe it is best to have a homeowners association. I'm, I'm trying my hardest here to say something good. Um, yeah. I was about to say you're really but, reaching here, <laughs> but in the, uh, you know, guys mowing their lawn and stuff like that. Like sometimes I, I laugh at the, the, the pr- stupid pride that men get over their lawnmowers. I'm thinking about this commercial here where a group of guys like gets really upset that some guy doesn't care about his lawn. Um, well, but- lawns in general, like if you look at the history of lawns, so the only reason that people wanted them, because uh, like way back when, before more people were able to actually lo- own their land, lawns were like a very key. Uh, status symbol amongst the gen- gentocracy. Yeah. So lawns were only just a derivation of that because, like, having grass and shit mm-hmm. is not good for the environment. Particularly if you Looks like nice, tear down. Well, right. So like, all they're trying to do is just look like Louis the Twelfth, whatever. Okay. Like, oh hey, see, I've got a lawn too. I've got flowers and shit out the ass over here. So, I mean, again, not saying there's anything wrong with the lawn, yeah. but knowing where that comes from, right? there's no actual value to having a okay. fucking lawn. Well, maybe lawns are a bad example. Lawns are a terrible example. But if I, I'm still trying to give the benefit of the doubt here. I, I also just way. like despise yard work. Like I've got, like I get I very like, triggered by yard work. Like growing up every Saturday is like, Ooh yeah, no, I want to go play outside with my friends. It's like, nah, you got some yard work right. to do. And so I'm just like, now as an adult, I just try to avoid it. Like the plague. Okay, I'm going to generalize even further here to, to try to... To try to defend to try the HOAs to defend of the, the world. Um, if I take the assumption that humans, on average, in general, do know how to care for the environment better than nobody caring for the environment, this might not be true. Our effects might pollute the stream more than... They are, but let's just like imagine some. Who's that guy on uh, 
on the show, not community, not the office, but Parks and Rec, the Ron Swanson. Ron Swan, yeah, so yeah. imagine that Ron Swanson, you know, does actually care about the environment, you know, uh, even though he's the super conservative dude. If humans do actually do a better job at just um, being stewards of the environment, then that should happen by individuals at a local level. Well, that's what I'm saying is that yeah. I think the environment would be better off if they didn't have somebody telling them how to take care of the But anyway, we're getting way <laughs> off. Let, let's run a new clip. Like, I mean, I'm, so, I'm, no, you're, you're I'm just like saying red that in the face over here. You're just saying individual people would do it better than having homeowners association. I think, I think yeah. in a, like the, not even deliberately. Okay. Like, right. I, yeah, right. It wouldn't even be on purpose because I think just because by, by making sure your lawn is green, right, you've got to tear up a bunch of shit. You have to plant some grass that's not native to the area. Therefore, you've got to replace that grass more often. You've mm-hmm. got to belch a bunch of gas into the atmosphere by mowing it every week. Mm-hmm. Like I just i i don't i don't believe i i think the if if you were I, someone should write this article, Jacob. This is your homework assignment. <laughs> write the article about the. I think we know who cares about it the most. He definitely cares. Yeah, I've, living I've, in an apartment I've, downtown. I've, I've loves never had about a, lawns. I've never had a lawn. So if the <laughs> never like, had to do any of this I stuff. would I would bet my left arm that the effects of the the negative effects of lawn mowing on the environment are worse than Bitcoin. Interesting. <laughs> By I've orders a, of magnitude. Just I think you told me about that. Never mind. The, the eye in Vegas and how it... Uh, okay, so that ended up being debunked a little bit. So, like, the it? eye yeah. using, like, as much energy as Bitcoin does. Oh, as some casino in Vegas? Yeah. It's, it's, just, so it's, like it's not a casino. LED, it's just an eye. It's a presentation it, stadium concert. And it, lo- and it is dope. It's like, weird, the, yeah. Like, the stuff they can put up on that thing is wild, but... Like nobody bitches about that. Of humanity, I think the one we're have them everywhere. We, we got to show people how awesome we are. It's so stupid. Well, it, like, people talking about skyline. waste of energy. I mean, like here's a waste of energy. Every single fridge in Home Depot is turned on. Okay, <laughs> is it really? Yes. So, like, you're, you're telling me that like you just refrigerating nothing. I think this will get debunked quicker than your or. The, There's the no way every fridge is on. Okay, in, in maybe not stores. every fridge. No if way. one fridge is on at Home <laughs> Depot, that's a waste of energy. That's the point that I'm trying to make. How am I going to know how cold it gets if it's not on? Can you put? I bet you could me? guess. <laughs> cold enough to keep your cheese from molding. I mean, like that's an. This is like a, an if or. Hey, uh, you can't tell how Home Depot how to spend their money. I'm not trying. I'm I'm just saying that like if you want to talk about waste of energy, like I can rip off ten examples of things that waste energy more so than Bitcoin does. Yeah. Hair dryers. Hair dryers. Uh washing machines. I mean, for fuck's sake, we could all go back to using typewriters and that would be better for the environment, but nobody's gonna do that. Yeah, that's another one of those arguments that it takes a long time for people to um to accept that energy use is subjective and uh you can't tell anybody yeah i'll keep my monetary gunpowder over here <laughs> y'all can all do whatever you want um will you come over and help me mow my lawn no <laughs> if you give me 50 bucks i might this is to orange pill people you know oh, for your favorite oh, term it, favorite term. It. okay uh just give some kids bitcoin to mow your lawn 
Like it's 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 a kid's job. Like that's how kids make money is yeah. by mowing lawns. But adults are like, they're gonna mess it up. Who who gives a shit? Just fucking give them twenty bucks. And let them do it. Right. It's gonna look like shit in three days anyway. Mm-hmm. That's particularly my, this that's time my of only year. thoughts on lawns is just spread it amongst the community. Nice. Lawns are bad for uh, they're bad for bees. Like bees <laughs> despise the Raleigh lawns. Lawn Care Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> This is the anti-lawn care podcast. What's our next clip? Yeah, let's move on. Um, so uh, this clip is uh, about, not about lawns at all. Uh, we promise. HOA? It's uh, <laughs> it's hard to transition here. So it's, it's more about uh, nodes or seeing people in the community helping out others as nodes. It's this guy, Car Gonzalez, who I guess took over um, the Pleb Lab in a lesser-known Bitcoin city called Austin, Texas. Uh, hmm. You know, their meetup is as great as ours. Yeah, apparently they're trying to get something started in Austin. Is that in Oklahoma? Meetup. Yeah, I think it's in Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, but he took over Pleb Lab, and this clip is just him talking about um, developing a new person in the, in the Pleb Lab to like Bitcoin, he's like, oh, you know, I read Jimmy Song's book and like started hacking and doing all this stuff. And then I came to Bitcoin plus plus the thing that nifty throws with base 58. Then I won there. And then I was like, well, then like, where do you plan on going with this? And I was, he was like, well, I want to keep building it. I, I love working on Bitcoin and he's only, he's a new Bitcoiner. He's only been doing it for like six months. And then he, and then I, I was like, well, come to Plub Lab so you can show what you're working on. And then we'll see what happens. And now he's like bringing his mom and the family and stuff. And it's kind of like, wow, like all the people that have helped him in that process, you know, whether it was Jimmy and his book, you know, whether it was Nifty and that conference, whether it was, you know, it, 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 it just kind of shows that like we're all helping each other. It's, it's, it's working, Peter, like this, this kind of network that we've created with these nodes, like it's working and it's happening and it, it just facilitates more and more builders, more and more creators, more and more companies. To yeah, I mean, whether it was Steve um, sending shit coiners home crying at the Bitcoin meetup or, you know, there's just all these, all, all these tons of people in the community that are just trying to help out uh, new people. And, um, that we are, we do kind of act like nodes because new people have to learn things from multiple sources. You know, they need multiple people telling them the same thing. And, uh, I've always liked the analogy of Bitcoiners as kind of personal nodes of the network. Uh, I really like that. Uh, do we need a pleb lab in Raleigh? Huh? I mean, we kind of already do, even though it's not organized. I mean, we got tons of builders in Raleigh. Yeah. Um, it would be I, cool I, if we too, had a place to all go. Yeah. That'd be nice. Uh, yeah. Just I mean, to, God, having like a Bitcoin house would be like so sweet here. I need some desk. Like a Bitcoin okay. park. Dude, I, I'd be here. Yeah, I'd, this would be great. Yeah, I'd come work here. Yeah, especially in the spring. Yeah, have my little fiat meetings in the corner. Like, no, don't. But no, like thinking about myself as a node helped a lot too because they're like i mean sometimes i struggle with like what am i not struggle i i ponder what am i doing to help further the cause you know as a non-technical person i feel i don't feel like i can create 
the educational learn sources code, that learn are. Code. Ah, if you God. wanted to learn how to code, how would? No, I don't want to. I no, want it's because Steve and I have talked about that, <laughs> and like you know, I've I've thought about learning Python a few times, and it wasn't until you told me you were like, <laughs> so you could do what? Right. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, really good point. So I'd spend all this time learning this skill that I just don't really know how to apply. Uh, you know, it might not be the best use of my time. But thinking of myself as a node, somebody who's helping to defend the properties of Bitcoin, using Bitcoin how it was intended to be used within um, consensus rules and whatnot, I think that's only going to become more important as this thing continues to scale. Mm -hmm. Because Bitcoin's going to continue to onboard more and more people who are going to have their own preconceived notions of what this thing is, what it's supposed to do, and they might not all necessarily be the correct idea of what Bitcoin is. So therefore, as a percentage of people who own the asset, the maximalists are going to become a smaller percentage of that. That's why I see just the rigidity, the inflexibility of the maximalist position to be extraordinarily important, even if it might piss a lot of people off. Yeah, I think if you focus your um your energies on just becoming an anti-lawn care maximalist that's probably a really good use of your see your, i didn't have to put time. any time into that one that one was that i was that one was ingrained at birth <laughs> no but i think you know you you understand the the properties of sound money better than you know a lot of people and i think just continuing to you know, you're a good person to try to educate other people on that, and that's just as valuable as, as being technical. I mean, right? I mean, the the Bitcoin code base um, is solidified anyway, so you know, there is no more technical development on Bitcoin. <laughs> it's, it's locked into place, so you don't need to code. No, you don't want me coding anyway. Coding is fun. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, how? Well, I mean, I guess I could make UTXO UTXO dot live too. <laughs> except my, except mine, mine's going to be mine's going to be green and no orange. I think it would Absolutely just be cool not. to be able to look at like a backend and get a gist of is this good code? Be able bad to confirm code? the source code. I agree with that. Just to see if it's messy or not, and yeah. like kind of get a vibe for how many devs do this team have, what kind of code does it look like, and just I don't know. I think it gives you a good sense of. It, that, I don't know how that's to hard. It. Is it? Yeah, to get to that level, to have that, that level that, of fluency. Yeah, that's really hard. I mean, because well, that's why open source is so important because right. you you have eyes on it above and beyond your skill set that are mm -hmm. kind of doing that piece on your behalf. Yeah, and it's not behind some paywall. So, like a really hard um, or really common bug in code is called like the off by one problem. And let's say I write something that says like uh, loop through all of the. Um, Didn't ordinals have the off by one? Probably, yeah. Like loop loop through all of the unspent transactions. So let's say you have like a list of like five thousand transactions or something, and you say like, okay. Starting this for loop, you know, increment this letter I by one every time, uh, and then stop when you get to 500, or stop when I is less than 500. A lot of times people are sloppy, and they're like, 
Oh, actually, you should have said less than or equal to 500, you know, and you'll miss the last one. Or like, did you start at zero or did you start at one? Um, and this is the kind of thing that differentiates professional code from sloppy code. And it's very hard to just see that just looking at the code. Uh, and so there's just like a tiny, a lot of tiny little things like that that are very hard to see. Um, my, my code is sloppy, man. If someone were to just look at my code, they would be just like, what is this spaghetti monster here? Like, it's not. Uh, but, it, but it works just because I've been basically testing it over 10 years and I, sure. I know everything works right. So yeah, you're not going to be able to compete with my code. Actually, I have some guys on Twitter that have tried to make a UTXO.live, but they just they don't understand the uh, the backend database that's required. So my backend database is like three times the size of a Bitcoin node. And um, I have everything in really nice histograms and tables and stuff like that. And this has taken me years and years to make, which might be the thing that I have that's, I don't know, useful to sell or to make into a business model or something like that. Yeah, I don't even know what but a histogram is. Histogram, is that like a hysterectomy? Yeah, it's basically like a hysterectomy. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Histogram's a bell curve. Okay. If you yeah. say so. Well, so like if you have like heights of people, um, less, you know, heights of all the people in Raleigh or whatever, you just have all the heights. You know, how do you make that into a bell curve? Yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to like make buckets. You have to be like, okay, how many people are in six foot to six foot one inch? You know, then you get that really tall bar, you know, six foot to six foot one inch or whatever. But like, why'd you choose one inch? You know, right. like, like, why didn't you say six foot to six foot to one half inch? Hmm. And it's like, oh, well, that makes the bell curve slightly different. That's what histogramming is. It's like, okay. how, like, how do you decide the width of the bucket in order put, to put stuff in because if you make that width too big you don't have a bell curve if you make that width too small you don't have a bell curve either so you have to have this like Goldilocks thing of like okay let's make it a quarter inch and then you'll see this nice smooth uh, bell curve of the, of the heights of people in Raleigh Okay. so that's what I do with the UTXO stuff and that's what makes the price pop out is if you do this histogramming of Bitcoin outputs with the with a really nice size of the bucket to which you put uh, transaction amounts in, that's what makes that hundred dollar line pop out really nicely. Well, there we go. Uh, you learn something every day, right? Yeah. What's uh what what's our next clip? I don't think we have a next clip actually. Um, we only had two clips today. Talk about safeting. I pulled up the clip from Hayek. Yeah, those are good. Those are good. I mean, we're coming up on an hour anyway. Well, can I just ask you sure, one? Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Or have you heard about this LK99 thing that's going around? Ooh, is that the superconductor the su thing? If it's true or not, yeah, the superconductor. Do you have? Because you're a yeah. Then you get a physics PhD. background. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't uh, so I, I looked into it briefly and it looks legit and you know people that I trust have told me that it's legit too I you know this will cut down on losses um, of power and transmission lines uh, dramatically uh, which will just make power more efficient in general 
probably help things like car less chargers, stranded energy. less stranded energy, you know, when you, you know, and you put your block into the uh, wall and it gets hot. Right, right, right. That's just a waste of power. So it, it'll help something like that. Just any, anytime you have this um, loss of energy because you have to transport the energy from one place to another along copper line, it'll just help that. Uh, and it did, looks great. Did you think about any, like in the thoughts about how that could, you know, change the future? And then like what we've been talking about with, you know, instant payments, value for value happening, self-driving cars, AI, if you have this LK99 thing coming, like you're, you're starting to see a, a sculpture of a future that it's quite exciting. I think even though a I sculpture, like, like a clay sculpture, <laughs> Michelangelo. I, just this. This was just. It was. It was cool news to where it did feel like something. We're on the brink of something really exciting, and then that in tandem with Bitcoin, AI. Uh, uh, it's another deflationary force. It's I just, mean, yeah, it's just a lot of stuff's going uh, on. Where it's terrible for the economy. Yeah, man, how bad would it be to get yeah. more for less? Like, dang, ugh, horrible. Ugh, God, the uh, fear, the, fear that deflation. The GDP guys have to Jeez. hate this Jeez. introduction. Oh it, my God. Man, it might make power cheaper. Oh my God! This is bad for everybody. It's terrible. It's inventions. What's going to happen to my Fuck home inventions. value? Like my God! <laughs> it's so like that. It's so weird. It's no so matter weird. how far into the future we get, though, will lawns always matter? Fuck, dude! Lawns <laughs> okay, don't right, matter never now. Mind, never mind. Go to go to England, man. You think lawn care here is ridiculous? Lawns in uh, England are freaking immaculate. Like you see a lawn in England, you just want to take a nap in it. Freaking beautiful. <laughs> Try to check it out again. They are beautiful over there. Um, yeah, no, they're just the different types of grass. Like, don't care about the different types of grass. Like, yeah. I'm at the age now where someone tries to talk to me about like grass types, and I'm just like, just shoot me in the face. <laughs> there are certain grass types that I'm interested in hearing about. Like what crab? You, you strike me as a crabgrass guy. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Now let, let, let's wrap it up. I don't have any more. Yeah, I mean, we can plug the meetup um, again. Uh, Tuesday, yeah. six thirty, Rally Point, Harrison Avenue, Harrison Avenue, Avenue. It's not Harrison Boulevard. Yeah, Harrison Avenue. Just all move right. here. Raleigh is going to be like just this dominant city, and I want all the good bitcoiners to come here because um it's gonna be awesome here our meetup is the most toxic around and uh look for my article decentralized utx oracle something like that on bitcoin magazine um i'm the only person that knows the spot price of bitcoin sorry all these exchanges think they know the spot price it's not a spot price we need you steve yeah Show me the spot. <laughs> Steve's the only one that knows where the spot is. I hit the spot. Yeah. I know where the spot is. Steve can hit that spot. I can, I can hit the spot. All right. All right. We'll Thank catch you all next time. All right. Thanks for listening.